NASCAR Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today, bet $100, and get $100 at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash WinBet. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-I-N-N-B-E-T. State restrictions apply. Driver, start your engine! Strap in and pull those belts up tight as the Sports Gambling Podcast Network presents the NASCAR Gambling Podcast. I'll wreck my mom to win a championship. I'll wreck your mom to win a championship. With all the news and the best bets for your NASCAR weekend. It refrains me from not beating the out of you right now because you ask me stupid questions. But since I'm on probation, I suppose that that's uh, improper to say as well. If you could talk about racing things, we could talk about racing things. Now, here are your hosts, Rod Gomez and Cody Zeeb. Even though the NASCAR season has not officially begun yet, there are still plenty of racing things to talk about because this is the NASCAR Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. He is Cody Zeeb. I am Rod Gomez, and we continue to get ever closer to the Bush Clash and the Daytona 500, which officially kicks off the 2023 NASCAR season. I, for one, am ready to see track or cars on the track. So let's uh, let's get this going. I just I can't wait anymore. I want to get them on. I, I may start watching Daytona 500s from the past until uh, we get to the official Daytona 500. But Cody, um, I know you're with me in that one. That is actually a great idea. Yeah, we yeah. need to have a, a little NASCAR. <laughs> past daytona 500 viewing party or something Ooh, i that, i mean can we do that legally i don't know well I, everybody might have to watch it on their own technically we could hit play at the same time but it's the internet it's the internet <laughs> and we talk about it, it. <laughs> <laughs> i love it but cody you can find the race somewhere it's good uh yeah that's what i'm talking about i love it well we are basically two weeks from the clash the coliseum 17 days but i'm gonna call it two weeks because that sounds better. <laughs> but uh, yeah, 17 days until the clash at the Coliseum. Wiz Khalifa going to be playing the halftime show. That was pretty pretty lit last year with, uh, I think it was Ice Cube that did, the, Ice did Cube, the show baby. last year, right? Yes, sir. Now we get some, some Wiz Khalifa this year. I don't know a ton of Wiz Khalifa, but I'm sure he's a great rapper and, and will put on a show for us. Um, so, you know, it's it's exciting to, to get NASCAR to expand to that that side of things a little bit and uh, – expand the culture culture in that area but 31 days until the greatest race in the history of man the daytona 500 31 short days that's basically a month right rod this is the month of january has 31 days in it so i'm gonna say it's a month away now from the daytona 500 so let's take a look as we've been doing all off season at the number 31 car since we're 31 days out this car has quite a few starts in NASCAR, 1,213 to be exact. Um, all the way back in 1949, it made its first start, and it continues to be raced today. 
November 6th uh, at Phoenix was the last race that it competed in uh, with Justin Haley behind the wheel as he will continue to be in the 31 car this upcoming season and add to all these statistics. But 1,213 races, 8 wins, 99 top 5s, 725 top 20 finishes. This car sat on the pole 10 times. Um, I, I should start asking you if you know these. Let's a little, little quiz time for Rod just to see. Who has the most starts in the number 31 car in NASCAR history? Oh, man, that is a very good question. In the 31 car, uh, obviously it's not Justin Haley. Um, why, does, on the list. why does Robbie... Uh, Robbie Gordon? Robbie Gordon. fourth on the list. Damn, see? I was, yeah. It was somebody else that did drive singular wireless car. Oh. Which Robbie Gordon raced. Robbie Gordon did hit that singular wireless car. Yep. That that's the one I remember. Um, who else raced in singular wireless? Not Nemechek. Um all right, I, I don't know. I, I got Robbie Gordon. That's about as good as I can get. Jeff Burton, actually, uh in the number thirty one car for Richard Childress Racing. Uh that was that was a car they had for for quite a long time. And uh most of these guys at the top of the list all raced that car uh for RCR. Jeff Burton, 324 starts in that car, four wins, 104 top tens. Yikes. He led over 1,600 laps in the number 31 car. Um, obviously spent a good portion of his uh, NASCAR career in the 99 car as well. That's kind of where he got his his big start, right, in the 99 for Roush. Transitioned over into RCR. Ryan Newman, actually, second on this list. He spent some time at RCR as well in that 31 car. He ran 180 races, um, 19, one win, 19 top fives. Um, he completed around 51,000 laps. And surprising on this list, 10 poles to the number 31's um, chart. And so I figured Ryan Newman probably had like nine or 10 of those because he's the rocket man, right? He was always a great qualifier. No pole awards for Ryan Newman, actually. Wow. In his 180 starts in this car. Um, so that was kind of interesting. Mike Skinner, who's third on the list, actually had five. Um, if you remember, he was the Lowe's car before before uh, Lowe's went over to Jimmy Johnson when he came in. But Mike Skinner, uh, teammate to Dale Earnhardt Sr., uh, when he drove this number 31 car, he had 156 starts in this car, uh, 44,000 laps he completed. Robbie Gordon, like you mentioned, was fourth on the list. Um, he had three wins in the number 31 car. Um, along with eight tie finishes. Ward Burton actually spent some time in the 31 as well. Um, I believe that was the RCR car as well uh, in his his later days in his career. 46 starts in that car. Um, Justin Haley is at 36, one full season in, the, in that car now uh, that he started, and he'll continue to race that. Cale Yarbrough, a legend of NASCAR, he made 12 starts in this number. A guy we talked about on yesterday's show, Brownie King. He, he made 11 starts in this number as well. Uh, Ralph Earnhardt, the father of Dale Earnhardt Sr., made 10 NASCAR Cup Series starts in this car number. Joe Rutman made some starts in this. Joe Weatherly. Leroy Yarbrough back in the day made a few starts in this car. Um, Tyler Reddick has actually made two starts in the number two car for Richard Childress Racing as well. Uh, made those before he came up full-time with Richard Childress. Obviously, he's moved on since then. Um, but, yeah, just going through this list, uh, another one that, that a bunch of guys have made one start. 
uh, Buck Baker, Elmo, Hend- Elmo Henderson. And Elmo, just such a great old guy <laughs> name, right? <laughs> like, that's one of those, you know, you see like Fred and stuff coming back for like kids, baby names, you know? I'm going to see a baby named Elmo again. <laughs> but Mike Dillon actually has a start in this car. Uh, if you don't know who Mike Dillon is, he's the father of Austin and Ty Dillon. Uh, runs a lot of the operations over there at RCR. He is married to Richard Childress's grand or Richard Childress's daughter, rather. So Richard Childress's son-in-law. Um, he did make one start. Doug Yates of the famed uh, Roush Yates engines um, made a start in this car as well. 100 different drivers have made a start in the number 31 car. Um, and then look at manufacturers. Chevrolet absolutely dominates this list. Uh, again, most of those starts with RCR. But in 1,213 starts, Chevy has 1,016 of those. Um, GMC actually is on here for one race. That's not one we've really brought up. Uh, Studebaker, Buick, Mercury, some of these other ones that just kind of had their one-off starts here and there. Hudson started 24 races in this. And Oldsmobile even has 40 races in the number 31 car back in the day. Wow. That is absolutely nuts. And so uh, the Earnhardt, Ralph Earnhardt, you got to figure, did he race for, uh, um, I mean, not Roush, but uh, Richard Uh, Childress? Childress, I do not think so. I think that would have been well before Childress was actually a car owner because Ralph only raced from 56 on and off from 56 to 64 as far as in the Cup Series. He only made 51 Cup Series starts. He raced a lot um, before that and kind of in other areas, not necessarily in the cup series. Um, and so I don't have who his car owner was in front of me, but well, that, I don't think Richard Childress was around at that point. I was going to say that would lead me to, to think of why, why, uh, that would be the, like the number that they would pick, like the 31 for Childress, obviously if Earnhardt, yeah. you know, potentially. Yeah. And he actually ran a ton of different numbers. Ralph did, um, the 88 car, he ran a race in, and that was a car number that he wrote, drove a lot. Um, and you know, then, uh, led to Dale Earnhardt Dale Jr. Earnhardt. in that in that eventually um, eight was a number that he he raced a lot as well not in the Cup Series at all but he actually ran the number one hundred and eighty eight at one point um, <laughs> those three the, digits <laughs> yep back in the three digit days uh, the seventy five the six yeah there's all kinds of different numbers that that Ralph ran he only started eleven races in the seventy five in the Cup Series and that was the most of any of his his fifty one starts but. Uh, yeah, no career wins by Ralph Hart, but uh, not not in the Cup Series anyways. But he uh, was a very successful racer in his own right uh, throughout other series in racing. Eh, and his kids and grandkids weren't all that bad either, huh? Yeah. But whatever happened to that family, right? They didn't uh, ever do anything. <laughs> washed out, man. No, Nobody ever heard of Earnhardt after that. So Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> huh. Man, all right. Well, uh, love the trip down memory lane. Love the trip down history lane. Um, love you tried to stretch my brain out, and all I could come up with was Robbie Gordon, uh, which, by the way, was a good pull. Hey, that's right? a pretty good one. I mean, he was fourth on the list, so that's not not a bad guess at all. And it's kind of pulling a name out there, right? And talk about guys that cross sports, right? He's he's raced all kinds of things in his his life. Big IndyCar guy. He's done the Baja 100 off roading in the trucks and. All kinds of crazy stuff. I think it was Dale Jr. on his podcast uh, was telling stories about Robbie Gordon at one point, and it was just like 
the, the things he was doing with it. Like they would just jump in a truck and like go run through the desert, like not even in a race just to do it. Like that guy was crazy. <laughs> love it. I mean, Probably you gotta love the, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, you gotta love the racing spirit. We talked about it actually in yesterday's episode, as far as wanting to, to watch anything that, that races. And that's kind of what these guys are, man. They're competitors of the core. They want to drive everything and anything they can get their hands on and, and, uh, and see if they can push the limits of every machine they're, they're behind. So, um, all right, we've got some news to talk about. We've got some NASCAR things to, to go over uh, as we, like I said, barrel into the beginning of the season. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll do exactly that. But before we do that, let's tell you about WinBet. WinBet is the official online sportsbook of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. And WinBet is active in a bunch of states, and there's tons of ways to win, including live betting and same-game parlays. The NFL playoffs, if you didn't know, are here. Hot and heavy. We're getting into the next round. The 49ers are going to win it all, so I don't care what anybody else has to say. So if you want to bet on them, do it now over there at WinBet because they've also got great promos, great odds, great payouts. It's all happening right now at WinBet. I'm ready to play. Are you? Sign up today. Receive a special offer. You're going to bet $100 and get $100. Of course, limited to state availability. And of course... If you hit the biggest long shot parlay of the week, you get a $1,000 free credit. No reason for you not to head over there right now because there's so much to choose from. And all you have to do, head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet so they know that we sent you that sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-I-N-N-B-E-T. Offer subject to change. Terms and condition winbet.com must be 21 or older and present in the state of play where playthrough winbet is available. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem, call 1 800 522 4700. As you are each and every episode in this off season and have been and continue to be, Cody, you are the driver of the news and notes machine. So, where, sir, would you like to take us first? Well, yeah, we talked about it on yesterday's show. It has been a busy week in NASCAR news. Probably as soon as we get done recording this, there will be more news that breaks because that's usually how it works. But that's a good thing because that gives us more to talk about later, right? Um, Some good news here, and this has happened uh, quite, a, quite a bit here in recent history. The Daytona 500, the both the grandstands and the campgrounds completely sold out. So the grandstands seat 101,500 people. That's completely sold out. Uh, when you add the campgrounds to it, it gets roughly around 150,000 people. So they will be packed out in Daytona for the 500. Again, only 51 days away from now. Um, but always great news to see that sells out. And right, uh, more over over a month away, and it's sold out already. Um, that's a good sign. It's not like, you know, oh, on the last day they, they sold the last couple tickets as somebody walked up, right? It's, you got to get your tickets ahead of time and sold out, sold out early is always good. Um, and obviously there, there's been some restrictions over the past few years with, with COVID and whatnot and, and reduced capacity, but the Daytona 500 is generally a race that, uh, sells out pretty well and they don't usually have a problem with tickets for. So that is good. Always good to see people, uh, you know, excited, pumped up, ready for, for the Super Bowl NASCAR, right? Kick, kick off the season with the biggest race of the year. Always one of the most exciting ones, most prestigious one to win. Um, and so there's going to be a lot, of, a lot of people there. What's crazy is that as I, I've gotten into, you know, more different sports and, and watching different things, uh, the uh, Australian Rules Football Stadiums 
hold, and they're all giant coliseums at this point, and they hold about 100,000 people. And it's always such a uh, awe. I mean, it's a spectacle to see, like almost 80,000, 90,000 people in this giant coliseum type of a situation all watching Australian rules football. But I, the same can be said for Daytona, but it's not all the way around. Like, Daytona's not all the way around. The grandstands literally go down the backstretch into uh, probably, what, turns one and, and then turns three and four. So to have 100,000 people packed into that small of a space is just, I, I don't know, it's so crazy to think that 105,000 people gather in one place to watch this race. Just in the grandstands alone. I mean, yeah. the campgrounds. Yeah, then you add another 50,000 inside of the track. Yeah. Right? And, yeah, so that, uh, yeah, it's very impressive. Love to see it, obviously. If you've never been to a NASCAR race, if you're new to NASCAR, if you're just here for the gambling part of it, whatever it is, if you have a friend that's never been, like, take somebody to it. It is one of the best experiences you will ever have just going to racing in general is so much fun. NASCAR races are just a freaking blast. I would pick that over any other sporting event any day of the week. Um, I'm, I'm a little partial to racing, of course, but it is always a good experience. And, and anytime, you know, I've, I've people know me as a NASCAR guy, right? And so you, you'll get somebody that, oh yeah, we got tickets because, you know, through a sponsor or or so-and-so gave us free tickets or whatever. And like, wow, what a blast. That was so much fun. Like you always get that even from people that, that don't hardly know anything about NASCAR or who any of the drivers are. They always have a hell of a time. So, so make sure if there's a race somewhere, somewhere close to you, you get to it because uh, yeah, it's, it's always a good time. Daytona 500, definitely on my bucket list. I've not been to Daytona yet, um, but, but maybe Rod and I will make the trip there sometime in the next few years. Well, there's no maybe about it, man. We we got we to gotta start pulling in for a 2024 package. Uh, we got to get the bosses to sign off on a 2024 business trip out to the Daytona 500 to watch that happen. Uh, sounds, sounds like a good plan to me. Make sure you're leaving those those ratings and reviews so they, they make sure they want us back next year and, and we can do that. Ah, here, so here we go. The contest is to see which listener... <laughs> can convince the bosses to send us to uh, at least two Ooh. races, right? The Las oh, Vegas <laughs> race, the Las Vegas race this year, and then the uh, um, and then the Daytona 500 in 2024. So there you have it, listeners. That's your, uh, that is your quest. If you can convince the bosses, we may have a sweet merch uh, package <laughs> waiting for you in the end. Um, but no, and look, to, to your point as far as watching racing and, and having a good time, you know, that's the thing about this this sport is that there is constantly action going on. It, it's it's not like football and or baseball where, you know, the plays happen and then you've got 20 seconds where everybody, you know, sort of uh, uh, gets around each other and then you're waiting for the next play to happen. Baseball, you're waiting for the next pitch to happen. Commercial breaks, right, in football. If you've ever been to a live football game and in the NFL – you know that during commercial breaks, like they they do their best to give you the entertainment on the field. They give you, you know, they try to put the people down there like I used to do and try to entertain you while the commercial breaks are going on. But, you know, by and large, what you're doing then is you're either getting up to go release the beer that you just drank or buy another beer to release it later. Uh, at that point, that's, that's what you're doing. You can't do that in racing because during commercial breaks, those cars are still going around the track. There is still something happening and there are still passes. There are still things. I mean, the only the only downtime that you really get 
is the cautions, right? And, and even then you don't because they're making pit stops and half the time they don't show those on TV. You're, those are right in front of you in the grandstands. You're on the front stretch. Like you're able to watch that and see who's pitting and what's going on. And, and TV doesn't, they, they do a good job of covering things and showing you things, but they can't show you everything at once. And, and so you get to see the wrecks live. You get to see battles here and there. A lot of times they're trained on the leaders and who's in the top five. But if you want to watch your favorite driver all day and he's battling for 10th or, or 15th, you're able to watch him and, and keep an eye on him and, and see what's going on. And you can listen to the, the scanners, right? You, you rent the scanner out front. They program it with all the drivers, all the channels. You can listen to the TV call, the radio call. You can listen to the NASCAR officials talk. You can listen to each every driver and their team communications. Like you, you don't get to hear the 49ers calling plays on the radio during the game, but Chase Elliott and his crew chief and his spotter are talking about, Hey, are we going to make a pit stop here? Or you need to make sure you, you get this many spots to get so many points or, or, you know, this and that's going on. You get to hear all of that. NASCAR is so good about the fan engagement part of that. Um, and yeah, just another thing that makes it the greatest sport in the history of the world. I mean, I get no argument out of me. I love me some football, but from a pure entertainment standpoint, I just feel like NASCAR's got so many things licked as far as being able to not walk away from your television set. You can't, you just can't do it. Like at a football, you can kind of go, uh, but you, you walk away for a second in NASCAR and all of a sudden the big one happens and you're trying to figure out and piece it all together. I mean, they'll show you the replays, but who wants to, who wants to live vicariously through replays? Exactly. <laughs> so, um, no, good news for Daytona because that just means that this sport continues to thrive and that there's no, there's just no going away from it. Daytona has become one of the staple parts of the, the sport, just knowing that, you know, every single year it's going to get bigger, it's going to get better. And as we talked about in episodes past, I mean, the, the, the entrance list has continued to grow. People want to be a part of this, this event. They want to continue the legacy of the Daytona 500 and, I mean, that, that does nothing but good for NASCAR in general. Yep, absolutely. 100% agree with you. Um, this isn't necessarily news, but something that I saw that was pointed out that I loved. If you go to the NASCAR app, you click on the Clash of the Coliseum. Up in the top right corner, it says betting odds on it. Now, when you click on that, it says they're unavailable at this time. <laughs> but But the fact that it's there means that we should be getting close to getting some odds for the Clash, the Coliseum. So we don't have odds just yet, but there's a button for odds, and I'll take that as a sign that odds will be here soon. We're only 17 days away from Clash, the Coliseum. Give us some odds to talk about, right? We had so much fun last couple of weeks with got more odds with the, the Xfinity Series and the Truck Series. I mean, every show is fun, and we've got plenty to talk about. There's plenty of news. There's plenty of stuff going on in the sport, around the sport. Talked about the SRX series in our last race. Talked a little bit about the Hall of Fame coming up here. And, and these are all great things and fun things to talk about and stuff. But nothing beats talking about odds, new odds, fresh odds. Coming soon, hopefully. At least the button's there. That gives me even more hope that uh, that those odds are going to be dropping any day, maybe. You know, we haven't necessarily speculated. And, and obviously, because the odds are out, we sort of shied away from, from thinking about it until the odds come out. But now that there's a button there, kind of makes me start to think to myself, who would we, before any of the odds, see, this is, this is where we get to beat the books, right? This oof, is where we get oof. to try to try to be our own handicappers um, to try to figure out exactly who we like 
for the Bush clash. Now that we've seen one, now that we know what it entails, what, I mean, okay, look, I'll start. I'll start because you look like your your gears are, are just turning That's, a little bit over there. I got a lot of thoughts. A lot of thoughts going on. Yeah, up here. I, I, and I'll give you my my brief synopsis on what I feel like this time. I I know that last year we saw Kyle Busch throw a hell of a show out there, right before Joey Logano ultimately walked away with the whole thing. I get the feeling that this very well could be an opportunity for Kyle Busch to actually go out and win this thing. Now that he, why you got to steal my thoughts from me, Rob? Did I? My bad. I'm sorry. This is this is why we shouldn't be hosts anymore. We've we've picked up on each other's tendencies. I mean, uh, not that everybody doesn't know that I'm all over Kyle Busch in any way, shape, and form already. This that's season, true. But. That's true. Well, maybe maybe you maybe your thought process leaked into mine, but I just feel like, but but I mean, look for me, I'm I'm even just drawing back to last year. You know, to how well he ran last year and how good he actually looked. Like he probably could have won it. But of course, we saw passing got difficult as as the race progressed, and it was just you know just very difficult for him to to pick back up. But um, if I were to say, obviously, I think they're going to put Joey Logano as the favorite. He won it yeah. last year. Yeah, I think yeah, you you have to put him as a favorite. I think yeah. But I feel like if I were to put somebody else on that level, I would put Kyle Busch there as as another co favorite. Maybe not that far away from from where Le, Joey Logano's offered and. I mean, obviously it's all plus odds. So I'm thinking if the odds open now for the Bush Clash, we're giving Joey plus two fifty plus three hundred. Yeah, three hundred, four hundred. It might even be up there a little bit more just because there is still some uncertainty, right? I mean, yes, we've run the race once, we've seen it, but that was the first time they're ever in a race in these brand new cars. Nobody really knew what was going on or what they were there to deal with. Some guys were just trying stuff out because they're trying to get ready for the season. Um, but, yeah, I think you nailed it with Kyle Busch, right? He finished second place, put on a hell of a show, had a chance to get Joey there if, if he'd have been able to pass maybe a little better there at the end. Um, but so – and I'm huge on him. And, and there's the whole narrative of, you know, Gibbs basically dumped him, kicked him out of the door. Now he's at RCR. People are questioning what he can do. He wants to shut him up. So I think all of that goes into it. Don't be surprised if I pick him to win because – uh, man, I'm I'm just so in on the Kyle Busch train this year, and that's going to go one way or the other for me. I'm either going to be very right or be like, "What the hell is I thinking?" And and who knows to be determined, right? But but yeah, I think Joey's probably going to be the favorite. He won last year. He just won the championship. Like, and but it's not a new track anymore. It's not an even year anymore. So Joey can't win it, right? Because it's <laughs> he he only wins the new things in an odd year. So. It's got to be somebody else. But guys that popped to mind, Tyler Reddick was having a very good race. Uh, I think did, was he ended up getting spun out, I think, maybe by Kyle Larson or something. Yeah. Um, and and lost, or maybe that was Justin Haley because he's another one. Justin Haley is probably going to be a sleeper pick. He's not going to get great odds. People aren't going to remember how well he ran there, and he's not a big name. So he's going to be a long shot that's definitely going to get some money from, from me um, because of how well he was running that race last year. Um, but him and Tyler Reddick definitely come to mind as as guys that did well. Um, I feel like Larson had a pretty decent day. He's always going to kind of be up there as one of the favorites, right? He can get in anything, anywhere, anytime, and win. Um, so yeah, I think that those are probably probably the long, the the more favorited guys that you're going to see up towards the top there, and, and then the guys that kind of jump to mind as, as far as early on, just just trying to re you know think about 
what happened last year and, and remember that exactly. Yeah, and of course, as we get closer, as the odds drop, we'll definitely dig deeper into last year's Bush Clash. But, you know, again, we we saw what we saw out of it, and, and definitely they know now what they're up against as they head into this track. In fact, it's funny, my dad, we were watching the, the Niners game, and obviously on Fox, they continue to show the commercials for the Bush Clash, which, by the way... Oh, that's been so exciting to see Pissed me off, because I am I just wanted to hurry up and get here, right? Every time I, I see know. the commercial, I'm always like, okay, listen, I'm tired of watching the, the commercials. I want to see it on the track. Uh-huh. But my dad says, my dad says, that's not a very big track, son. And I said, no, dad, that's literally... Remember when I ran track in high school? That yep. is the size of Same that size. track. Yeah, I said, and he goes... Go to your local high school and look at the track. That's the size of this That's track. the size of the track. And he goes, they can run cars? I say, barely, but yeah, they can. It's tough, but they do it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, it's a little bit wider than the, the track I used to yeah, run on, but, yeah. but you know. It's still pretty freaking tight. <laughs> it's still tight. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting uh, to see, obviously how this shakes out. But I, for one, am looking forward to seeing some odds. I'm looking forward to seeing what the books think as far as um, who's got the shots and and are they putting as much thought into it as as we obviously are and, and have they studied it as close as we did. I'd love to find some discrepancies that you guys can pounce all over because as we've learned, and maybe, I don't know, again, maybe I should apply to be a NASCAR handicapper for some of these books. Um, not everybody that handicaps NASCAR watches the sport yeah a lot of, a lot of looking up the past results and just kind of going with that <laughs> yeah which is why who won last week okay let's okay them. okay they're favorites <laughs> whatever who kyle larson yeah we'll make him a favorite every single week has yeah. he won yeah. no okay we'll know yeah, we'll make kyle larson one of the favorites at daytona where he's never ever done good anyways um all right what's next cody yeah some more news i'm personally am super excited about this so Denny Hamlin, we've given him some grief last year on the show and some? made a lot, made a lot of money betting against him, but, and he's just a guy that's easy to, to not like on the track, but he is getting his own podcast with dirty Mo media, Dale Earnhardt juniors company. And he named it. It's going to be called actions detrimental with Denny Hamlin. Uh, a long time ago, he was fined for, he said something about NASCAR. NASCAR didn't like it and fined him for actions detrimental to the sport <laughs> and apparently he's not over that so he's holding on to that grudge but it's going to come out every monday so it's basically going to be like fresh reaction to the weekend and what happened from his point of view an active driver sitting in the seat right we get this a little bit with Corey lajoy on his podcast every week although that comes out like midweek time to process things this is going to be a fresh reaction from denny hamlin every week i am super excited about this He's great to listen to. He's been on the Dale Earnhardt Jr. download. Um, he's been on Door Bumper Clear on Dirty Mode before. And he's always got great things to say. He's not afraid to speak out. Go watch his Twitter. He will, And he's calculated about what he says. He thinks about it. He doesn't just, just go off the handle. But he's not afraid to speak his mind and say how he feels about things. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty pumped to, to hear that. It's always fun. And we haven't really had this in the past, but more recently now with with LaJoy doing it and Blaney for a while had a show and stuff to hear these drivers talk about it and get more of the, the perspective from the driver's seat, right. And what they see or how they felt about something, whereas it's different for us as people that haven't done it and just saw it on TV or whatever. Um, so yeah, actions detrimental with Denny Hamlin. Uh, that's going to be probably a must listen every week uh, to hear, you know, and then, 
something happens like with him and Ross Chastain last year, and then he has to get on the show Monday and talk about it. That's must listen to uh, audio right there. I was just thinking I would have loved for him to have that podcast last year, especially after yeah. the melon shot. A few run-ins, right? Yeah. Well, that's what I'm well, saying. The first one, right? Obviously, the first one that happened, I, that would have loved to have heard that one because that one. But then the one where they played cat and mouse for a better part of that race, that would have been yep. fun to hear. And then, of course, the last, you know, the the, the right. pass heard yeah, around well, the yeah. And then he gets the disappointment at Martinsville, right? Ross Chastain makes the Hail Mary movie, gets bounced from the final four. Like, then to have to come on the next day and talk about that would have been great to get that point of view. Uh, yeah, so I'm super pumped to to hear this and get his thoughts on on the race weekend and everything. So that that's a pretty fun thing that Dirty Mo, again, Dale Earnhardt Jr., all praise to him and everything he does for the sport just continues to help and help and help and and do great things over there at Dirty Mo. Um, speaking of the clash, we talked about a little bit, they released their trophy this year, trophies, I guess you could say, uh, I don't know if you saw this or not, but they're doing it Olympic style. There's going to be a gold medal for the winner, a silver medal for second and bronze for third. Obviously it's in the Coliseum in LA, right? Built for the Olympics. It's held Olympic games over the years. Um, so kind of a, a nod to the Olympic history in that place. Um, that's super fun. We see podiums other types of racing, right? IndyCar does it. F1 does it. Um, and so this will kind of be a foray into podiums for NASCAR, whether they get there eventually and do that all the time. Who knows? It's not been typical of, of stock car racing really in America in the past, but the open wheel side does it. And uh, we'll, be, we'll be interesting to, to see the, the podium style awards for this race, at least um, with, the, with the gold, silver and bronze medals. And it's a medal, you know, that you wear, hang around your neck, looks just like an Olympic gold medal or, or silver medal or bronze medal would. So that's that's pretty cool to to give a nod to the history of that place that, that they're racing in. Um, and, and again, history of NASCAR, right? The 75th anniversary. So a lot of history around this season, um, which is good because this is going to be a history-led podcast today. But, uh, but yeah, that, that's going to be fun to see at, at the Clash there as well. Would you want to see continued podiums in nascar would you want to see every i just week? want to see the cool down room like they do in f1 where the, <laughs> where the three guys on the podium go into the room and like watch the highlights of the race together mm. there's a few times where that would have been pretty fun to to see the drivers all have to sit there and talk about that oh my god yeah that would be something and 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 not only that but yeah i mean we've seen some heated passes some bumps some you know stuff that would make you just want to yeah be back in there it feels like f1 it's not necessarily all that heated because there's not necessarily a lot that goes on i mean obviously right. with it, max it's Verstappen, more of like yeah f1 is more the strategy part of yeah. things and sometimes guys just have better cars whereas in nascar i mean you're racing for it and a lot of times you're beating and banging you get these green white checkers or guys are making passes and and you know you get the occasional where they bump and run them and and stuff like that. So it's a different discipline of racing. Do I think it really carries over to a regular thing? I doubt. But for the exhibition type of races, you, you could do it there. You could maybe do it at the all-star race even. Something like that. It would be fun to see that kind of stuff in the more exhibition style. I don't think we'll see that on a on a week-to-week -week basis. And I don't think we really need to see it on a week-to-week -week basis either. That's we'll, we'll let the open wheel guys keep their thing for, for every week. <laughs> You guys can have your second and third place. You guys can have your participation trophy. Well, that's <laughs> I saw that too. I saw somebody say, "Oh yeah, there's a, boy, you cue NASCAR the participation." Fans, 
are sometimes their own worst enemies and, and we don't need to get off on a rant about it but some of the stuff people complain about like oh now we're just giving everybody a trophy like no there's still 36 cars and only three of them are getting them like that's not everybody okay and first second and third place is pretty standard across the board for winning awards in anything so yeah i mean <laughs> of the olympics like you said it's all, all everybody gets the bronze. olympics which have been going on for hundreds of years at this point it's a worldwide thing like that's not some new woke thing they're trying to do. <laughs> you want you want to tell the bronze medalist at an Olympic uh, sport that they got a participation trophy? Yeah, like, yeah, no, not so much. No, yeah. thank you. They earned that medal. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they didn't come in first, but by the same token, like to come in third on some world class athletes, that's that's something to be to be proud of as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so. so yeah, it'll be fun for that. I, I don't think we'll see it all the time, but uh, but but a good little throwback to the the Olympic history there. Indeed. Indeed. Um, all right. Anything else we got to cover or, or are we going to get to kind of the meat of what we're going to talk about today too? Let's, let's get into it. So because this is the 75th anniversary of the sport, uh, a lot of, uh, I guess, hype now around the hall of fame for this class, because this is definitely a big class, uh, uh, the 75th anniversary class. So there's some pretty big names on there, Cody, and, and I know you want to you want to walk us through them. So who are we expecting now in the NASCAR Hall of Fame for this 75th anniversary season? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Hall of Fame in NASCAR, it's a great honor, right, and a good way for them to honor the, the history of the sport. And we've talked a lot about history this offseason, and there is so much history in racing, in the sport of NASCAR. Again, the 75th anniversary of NASCAR as an actual series. Um, and so it is a big thing, but yeah, there's four, four guys going into the hall of fame this year. Um, you have two modern era ballot guys in Matt Kenseth, a guy that's very recently just raced a few years ago. Um, we, we talked about him through the two thousands all the way through the 2020s really, uh, was the meat of, of his career. Um, so he gets in on the modern ballot, uh, Kirk Shelmerdine gets in on the modern era ballot uh, as a crew chief. Uh, we'll get into that a little more and everything he accomplished there. Uh, the pioneer part of the ballot, so so they you know put put a guy in from back in the day, right? The pioneers of the sport and the guys that that helped things grow. Uh, Herschel McGriff gets that spot, and then the landmark award. Um, that's an award, and we'll talk about that again as we get into that a little bit. But that's given to somebody that contributes to the sport, right? The NFL does it. You see owners like Jerry Jones, and you know he's he's never played in the NFL, right? But he did things as an owner, as a general manager, and stuff like that. Contributed to the sport, big in TV deals and merchandising, and and all that stuff. So somebody who contributes to the sport, and Mike Helton, former president of NASCAR, um, and still in the NASCAR brass, um, gets that award. Um, and if you're interested, if you're listening to this before Friday, um, the awards show, awards banquet, rather will be, or whatever, the Hall of Fame ceremony, I guess it would be called, will be held um, on Peacock TV. So so you have to have the streaming option there. Um, Friday at 8 o'clock Eastern time, 7 Central. If you're somewhere else, you can figure it out from there. <laughs> uh, We're not here to 5 o'clock for you. Rod over there. I'm always trying to figure out the math between Rod and I. It's Time zones aren't, aren't easy when you're trying to cross. What time is that for you? What time is it for me? It's, yeah, but... Um, okay, so yeah, Matt Kenseth, he gets in a, as modern era uh, guy and just going to kind of talk about him. And I, I, these guys deserve to be talked about and, and 
and they've earned the respect of going back and reviewing everything they did and some of the stuff these guys did as I was looking through it and, and kind of studying up on it. I know Matt Kenseth, right? I grew up watching him, and I know what he accomplished in the sport. And same with Mike Helton. I know what he accomplished. I watched him through the sport. And, and Shelmer Dean, I've, I've heard some stories and whatnot. And, and Herschel McGriff, honestly, I didn't know much about. But getting to know these guys walking through this has been great. So Matt Kenseth, uh, he's 50 years old. He's from Cambridge, Wisconsin. Uh, he came into the Cup Series full-time in 2000. Um, so right at, right at the turn of the century, he won the rookie of the year that year. Um, he is the 2003 cup series champion, 2004 IROC champion. So we talked about that on yesterday's show, uh, kind of compared that to SRX, similar type of thing. Uh, IROC stood for international race of champions. Um, but he won that championship in 2004. He's won the Daytona 500 twice, 2009 and 2012. Um, other big events in NASCAR, he's Coca-Cola 600. He's won the Southern 500. He was the 2004 All-Star Race winner. 697 career Cup Series starts for Matt Kenseth. Over 22 different years where he started a race in. He won 39 times. 331 top 10 finishes. That's almost half of his career finishing in the top 10. Over 22 years that's not not you know he raced for five years and finished on the top 10 half the time that's a long career we we saw him come into the cup series with roush racing in that 17 d walt car right that was that's how i think of matt kenseth and had that forever he was so successful there then he jumped into the 20 car with joe gibbs after tony stewart had left that car they struggled through some drivers um and then kenseth gets in there and becomes a stabilizing force and Saw him there for years competing and getting wins in that 20 car with Dollar General and, and other sponsors on the side of it. Um, so, yeah, just a long storied career. His first start actually came, uh, he was racing full time in, at the time, the Bush Series, now, now known as the Xfinity Series, um, in 1998. Um, and George Elliott passed away, Bill Elliott's father. Um, and so, September uh, 20th of 1998. Uh, he climbed into that 94 McDonald's car. And actually, the car, go look up Matt Kenseth's first start. The car is pretty sweet. It was a McDonald's-sponsored car, but it was Big Mac-themed, and it was like a 1960s, like, you know, the groovy kind of look theme to it. The car is super, super sweet. Um, so Matt Kenseth jumps in there um, as a Ford driver, on a, you know, jumping into a Ford team to help out while Bill Elliott uh, was, was back home dealing with the loss of his father and spending time with family. Um, and Matt Kenseth comes out, scores a sixth-place finish in the race. That was the best finish that Elliott had all year that year was sixth place. So he did the same thing that Elliott was able to do all year in that car, um, and that was a, a driver-owner situation for Bill Elliott there. It was not a, a highly funded car or anything like that. He kind of struggled at those McDonald's uh, 94 years, but – uh, that was Matt Kenseth's first start, was was jumping in that car, filling in for Bill Elliott. And then uh, a couple years later in 2008, he ends up as, uh, or in 2000 rather, he ends up with the full-time ride in the 17, goes on to win the Rookie of the Year champion in, in 2003. Really, he was the last Winston Cup champion. That's the end of it. Talk about, you know, 75 years, Winston Cup for so long. End of an era, the last guy to win the Winston Cup championship 
was Matt Kenseth, the last guy to do it on the old point style. The next season is when they switched to the chase for the cup where it was 10 guys for 10 races and they battled it out for that. Uh, and again, we've talked, it's evolved over the years since then, but he's the last guy of the traditional point series standings. And one of the reasons why they changed it, because he only won one race that year, but he was so consistent. We talked about half his career. He finished in the top 10, such a good driver that he just kept racking up the points and ran away with it. And people didn't like that. They wanted wins to mean more. And now they do, right? That's how you get into the playoffs these days. You have to win almost. Um, so, so he was integral in, in, changing that to the to what what it's evolved to now with the 16 team playoff and and the format and, and all of that um he also started 288 xfinity series races over 19 different seasons won 29 different races in that 202 top 10 races that means in 288 starts only 86 times did he not finish in the top 10 uh sat on the pole 17 times Finished second to some guy named Dale Earnhardt Jr. in the 1998 standings. Um, so so didn't quite get the championship there in 98, but uh, but he he finished second to Kent to Jr. And then of course Jr. never got the Cup Series championship. So I guess uh, Kansas traded out it and got his championship there. You know, and it's crazy because we talked about. I think we we had tried to figure out what was the the longevity of how long you had to be away from the sport to get into NASCAR. His last season was 2020. So he ran 32 of the 36 races in the 2020 season, did Matt Kenseth uh, before hanging it up for good. So, I mean, here we are, what, three years later now, and he's being inducted into the NASCAR Hall of Fame. So I guess that answers your question as far as uh, when, how long you have to be away from the sport to be able to to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. And look, Kenseth obviously earned that right. You just rattle off every single one of his accolades and then some. Um, you know, he was part of the Gillette Young Guns uh, back in the day as well with Jimmy, with uh, Jeff, with all that. And I think we were talking about, I can't remember which driver we were talking about before as far as could they make a bigger impact on the sport if Jimmy Johnson were not in it at the same time? Matt Kenseth is another one of those guys that very easily could Absolutely. have made a, yeah. a better, yeah, a better impression on it uh, had Jimmy Johnson not been in the sport. Because obviously, you just you talked about all of his all of his accolades and and that 20, uh, 2002 season when he had five wins, uh, and then of course in twenty fifteen where he had five wins. But again, most of those seasons were where Jimmy Johnson. Uh, found his way to the championship podium. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's difficult to think of where Matt Kenseth could be if Jimmy Johnson weren't in the sport and very easily could have a, a much bigger case for the Hall of Fame. But, I mean, to his credit, he made it there in an era where Jimmy Johnson was winning everything. So hats off to Matt Kenseth for being able to uh, to actually be in the Hall of Fame and have such a storied career. I do remember, obviously, him in in my formative NASCAR years, um, watching him challenge my guy each and every week, and and getting pissed off at him for being as good as he was. So um, definitely somebody, a driver I look back on and, and have fond memories of watching. Even though it didn't feel like he was getting, I don't I don't want to say I don't want to say he wasn't one of the more popular drivers, but almost wasn't one of the more popular drivers, obviously because he was being. Yeah, well, he's kind of one of those guys that necessarily or didn't necessarily reach like the superstar like you considered him one of the top drivers but 
each and every week. He was right there in the top 10, always competing for wins, winning throughout his career. Um, so yeah, that, yeah, he, he's well deserving of this. And I did look up the, uh, qualifications because we had talked about that on how, how long you had to be out of NASCAR and everything. So if you race for 10, a minimum of 10 years as a NASCAR driver, um, once you're retired for two years, then you're eligible for the hall of fame. Um, if it's been, if you didn't reach the minimum of 10 years, once you reach the age of 55, you're eligible um, and then you can, so to be eligible for the modern era pick, which is what uh, these first two guys are, you've had to, had to have started your career anytime in the past 60 years, and then you can stay on the modern era ballot for 10 years. Um, and, and then after that, you, you get put on, you get eligible for the, the pioneer ballot rather than the modern era ballot. Um, so that's kind of how the, the process goes for, for picking these. I believe it's, 15 driver. I don't have that right in front of me, but I believe it's 15 drivers uh, or, or nominees rather that they pick each year and then they whittle it down. Um, and that's where we get these four guys that, that actually made it into the hall of fame this year. Crazy. Well, I mean, again, this is always like uh, every other hall of fame where there's debates that can be had. Um, did we know, do we know the other names that were out there that didn't get nominated or that didn't get uh, that picked? Um, I don't have the list right in front of me right now. Oh, well then there it is. Uh, but I'd be into, I mean, obviously if you want to look that up while I talk about the next guy, okay, we could talk about that after we, uh, there you go. Cover Kirk Shelmerdine. Okay. So Edward Kirk Shelmerdine, uh, the fifth, by the way, he's got the V behind his name. Um, he was a, a crew chief in NASCAR. He actually did start 26 cup series, uh, races in his career. Not getting in as a driver, though. Um, he's a 64-year-old gentleman from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, he's best known for being the crew chief for Dale Earnhardt. Uh, and boy, did they have some success together. When he, when Shelmerdine and Earnhardt were paired up together, Dale Earnhardt won 46 races, 142 top five finishes, 246 top ten finishes, and they won four championships. They did the back-to-back -back twice, 1986 and 1987, and then repeated that in 1990 and 1991. He's the youngest crew chief to ever win a race, the youngest crew chief to ever win a championship. And he retired in 1992 after all of that success with Dale Earnhardt. So all of that success with Dale Earnhardt, 46 wins, four championships, 246 top tens, retired in 1992 at the age of 34, Rod. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Can you imagine what this guy could have done if he would have stayed in crew chief longer? I mean, he's right now, he's only 64. He could still be out there crew chiefing, and he's been retired for 20-plus years. Just an insane career to rack up by the age of 34. Uh, but he did retire in 1992 uh, to pursue – a racing career actually he wanted to get behind the wheel. Um, he started 93 races in Arca after that, uh, and scored three wins in those, those races. Um, like I said, he started 26 races, um, back in the day in the cup series, kind of before he got into the crew chiefing side of things, uh, a few Xfinity and a few truck series starts as well. Nothing necessarily that really stands out about his racing career, but on the crew chief side of things, 
an absolute magician. Now it helps to have Dale Earnhardt as your driver, right? That, uh, that, that probably makes up for a lot of stuff. But we've seen these crew chief pairings with some of these guys, Dale Inman and Richard Petty. You know, Richard Petty was great, but would he have been that good without Inman? And Dale Earnhardt did it with multiple crew chiefs, right? He had a lot of success with Larry, Larry McReynolds after Shelmer Dean retired. Um, but guys like Jimmy Johnson, would Jimmy Johnson have won seven championships without Chad Knauss? I don't think so. Would Chad Knauss have won seven championships without uh, Jimmy Johnson? No, he wouldn't have. It's it's the Tom Brady, Bill Belichick thing, right? It, yes, they won a lot together. And yeah, Brady's won since then. But neither of those guys would have had the success they had together without each other. And that comes into play just like a head coach and a player in the same way with the crew chief and with the driver and Shelmer Dean and Earnhardt was a match made in heaven. And man, the amount of success he had in such a short time at such a young age, uh, just absolutely impressive. Uh, been a guy that that's stuck around in the race circles since then. Uh, another guy that's been on Dale Earnhardt's show, Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s uh, download rather, uh, and, and sharing stories about his father with him. Always great to hear that that kind of stuff. So very much a deserving uh, finalist and guy that's going into the Hall of Fame here on Friday night. Imagine retiring at 34. How beautiful <laughs> yeah, of a no, world geez, would that yeah. be? <laughs> Boy, I, I'd, I'd have, love to be four years from retirement, Rod. <laughs> I was going to say, I'd be a crotchy old man by now yelling <laughs> off my porch, like, get off my lawn. That's where I'd be right now if I was retired at 34. Uh, okay, let, look at some of the names that were actually on this list, uh, the nominees list. I got this actually from the NASCAR Twitter account. For the modern era ballot, there was Neil Bonnet, Tim Brewer, Jeff Burton, Carl Edwards, Harry, uh, is it Gant? Yeah, Harry yeah, Gant, yep. Harry Hyde, uh, Matt Kenseth, obviously Larry Phillips, Ricky Rudd, and then Kirk oh, Shelmendine. Wow. So I find it intriguing that Kenseth got over Carl and Jeff Burton. That's championship. That's why. Yeah. Neither of those guys won a championship. Isn't that crazy, though? I mean, not that that keeps you out of the Hall of Fame by any means, because we've, I mean, guys like Mark Martin, well deserved to be in there. Guys like, like Denny Hamlin, despite not having one, at least at this point, deserve to be in there. But I think when you put those guys against each, up against each other, that's the one thing that immediately jumps off the page to me is those guys didn't win the championship. That, uh, that that Kenseth was able to win, and Kenseth was a first ballot. I mean, this was his first chance on there. So yep. obviously, uh, Burton and Edwards have been on there before, but for Kenseth, this is his first chance, and he got in automatically. So, um, yep. and Burton and Edwards are very deserving. Ricky Rudd, I think, should be in there as well. Um, and there's a couple other names in there. Harry Gantz, another guy that should be on there. Uh, Bonnet should should be in there as well. I hope that those guys get in there. But not going to argue with either of these two guys that got picked. Uh, again, this is any time there's a Hall of Fame list right you look at at bait well baseball is ridiculous they shouldn't they don't deserve to have a hall of fame yeah, let's no, not get into that no but uh but you know the nfl list you look at all these guys and it's like well every one of these guys should be in the in the hall of fame well that's why they all got nominated right and they're deserving and they should be there but we can't put everybody in you see things like the toy hall of fame that list comes out every year and you're like well yeah all these toys deserve to be in there right and you can't put everybody in there all at once but uh some some definitely deserving guys and boy coming up some hall of fame classes we're going to have coming up in the future here you got guys like jimmy johnson that have recently retired and if he's not coming back full time that's a that that wasn't specified on there i don't know if it's 
it says from retiring. So I don't know if that's from retiring from full time that you're eligible or exactly what the rules are on that. Um, but guys like Kevin Harvick is, has announced his retirement. Guys like Martin Truex Jr. is going to be retiring soon, right? So going to be a lot of competition for those couple of spots uh, coming up here in, in the next few years for the Hall of Fame. Hey, books. Are you ready for are you ready for this? Hall one? of Fame. Ah, Can we go. get some Hall of Fame futures? That's that's what I'm asking. When the when the list drops, can we get some yes, Hall of Fame futures as to which it. ones to do it? I, I'm telling you right now, if you offer, they will come. And by there they, will be action. I can guarantee it. I mean us. We because I will be the action. Yes. <laughs> and we will have an episode to break down those championship or those Hall of Fame odds if you drop them. So, um, I. You know what, Cody? Screw it. Let's just open our own damn book. Let's let's just. We might need to at this point. <laughs> I mean, I'm, we have. Our, we'll just open our own NASCAR or motor racing book altogether. We'll just we'll cut out the middleman and we'll just open our own damn book and start offering odds. Oh, love it. Let's do it. It's done. So, um, okay. Yeah. Next up on the list, uh, on the pioneer ballot, Herschel McGriff. He is ninety-five years old and he's actually still alive. Uh, a lot of these guys don't get in on, on the pioneer ballot necessarily while they're still living. So it's great that, that he's going to be able to have that honor while he's still alive. Um, he's from bridal veil, Oregon. Uh, he was born in 1927. That's crazy to, to think about how long ago that was. Um, but he is the oldest driver to ever start in a NASCAR NASCAR sanctioned race. So just five years ago at 90 years old, four months and 21 days, um, he started a race in the K&N series, uh, which is a NASCAR sanctioned race. And so he he has that that honor of being 90 years old when he made a start. Now, you want to put a 90-year-old football player out there? We talked about this earlier. Oof, that's, uh, or maybe that was yesterday's show, but either <laughs> way. Show, yeah. uh, <laughs> either way. That's absolutely impressive. He's already in the West Coast Stock Car Hall of Fame. He's in the Motorsports Hall of Fame of America. Um, he won the 1986 Winston West Championship. That's, that was kind of similar to like the ARCA series. Uh, back in the day, there were multiple different kinds of, of series at that level. Um, and so he won the, the championship there. He only started 85 NASCAR Cup Series races, over 27 different seasons, actually. Um but he had four wins, 31 top 10s in those 85 starts. Sat on the pole five times. Um, his first race uh, in, a, in a car was in September 16th, my daughter's birthday, shout out to her, of 1945 uh, when racing resumed at the end of World War II. There was no racing uh, going on as the war was going on. Of course, we know the, a lot of the United States stopped to, to produce things for the war and and cut back on things, and so there was no racing. But at the end of World War II, he picked up racing. Uh, Bill France saw him at a race and, and said, "Dude, you you're on the West Coast here, but you got to come to the South and race in NASCAR, race for us." Uh, he competed in the very first ever Southern 500, legendary race in South Carolina at Darlington. Um, that you know is, is one of the the crown jewel events of NASCAR to win. He raced on the beaches of Daytona. Right before it was the super speedway that is Daytona International. We talked about that a few weeks ago, how we want a beach race again. But um, <laughs> Herschel McGriff was there and, and participated on those races on the Daytona beach. Um, 
let's see. He so that season uh, that that he raced uh, in NASCAR full time there, he which was 1954 uh, was was the one season that he competed full time in NASCAR. He had all four of his career wins and 17 top 10 finishes and 22 starts that season. He had a f- higher average finish than the points champion Lee Petty. Um, you might know him as Richard's father. Um, but so yeah, he that was a hell of a season he had there. And then the next season he said, you know what? I'm gonna go back to the West Coast, go back to family. Um, they had a timber and mill business uh, that the family was running and needed help with. So he hung it up, didn't race again for 10 years. Um, and then he returned to NASCAR in 1967. He started 41st in a race in his first race back. And he was in second place by lap six. Uh, that boy, these, sometimes you wonder about these stories from history. Is that even real? Like, is that possible? I don't even know if I could do that on a video game, but 41st to, to sixth in uh lap. And he won that day in a photo finish. Um, And then in 1989, he became the oldest driver at the time to win a NASCAR feature at 61 years old. Um, And then, like I said, in 2018, uh, just five years ago, uh, at the age of 90, that was when he he raced in the K&N series. Um, Again, another just just below ARCA series kind of level, but it's a a NASCAR sanctioned series. Um, And that was at Tucson Speedway where he ran that race. So Herschel McGriff... He's been around 95 years. That's a long time. Think of all the things that he he's lived through and seen in his years and imagine things in 1927 and then imagine them in 2023, almost like different worlds uh, at this point, right? Uh, if you're a Yellowstone fan, you watch the, the series 1923, right? You, you think about the things they didn't have back then. Uh, most of the stuff was horse and buggy, right? Cars were still, still newer at the time and, and everything. And uh, yeah, just what a life that guy's had, the stories he has to tell, the things he was around for since the beginning of NASCAR 75 years ago. Um, and yeah, so very, very deserving. And, and again, only 80 some starts in the Cup Series, but in NASCAR overall, he still played a big part in in helping develop that and turn it in what it is to turn it into what it is today. Competed over multiple series over mo- multiple years, right? Started a NASCAR race in 27 different years. Um, and so he, he had a long uh, storied career, even though, you know, statistics wise, it's not necessarily jumps off the book to you, but the things he did, the places he's been being in the first ever Southern 500 racing on the beaches at Daytona, uh, well-deserving of the pioneer award um, and or pioneer ballot rather and getting into the hall of fame that way. It's funny you talk about how things have changed from the 20s, obviously, to now and just that how now racing is a full-time thing. Now racing does constitute an entire uh, career path. It is something that you do for a living now, whereas even in the 70s, you know, even in the early 80s, you didn't really necessarily have full-time racers because they still had to go back and do other stuff in the off season to make a living because the racing alone did not necessarily pay for everything that they had to pay for in life. So now these guys obviously devote all their time to the craft. They, they put their time practicing in the off season to get back in the car because that's what they're paid to do. Whereas guys like Mr. McGriff back in the fifties and the forties and however long he's been racing 
didn't have that luxury. So a uh, uh, decision to go back to the West Coast to work for the family business was not that shocking of a, of a no. decision because they're not walking away from millions of dollars or yeah. even hundreds of thousands of dollars depending on how large a contract is. Well, yeah, Th think about that today, right? If the Chastains are having problems financially on the watermelon farm in Florida, would it be better for Ross to go back there and work there every day? or stay in NASCAR and make millions of dollars and ship it back to the farm, right? That wasn't the case back then. It, he was more useful going back home and being there to work the business and help create the money there rather than being able to you know, be racing in this prestigious sport and all that. He had to go back and help his family out. And those are the kinds of decisions these guys had to make back then because, yeah, there was guys that, that raced for a living or, or you know, or, you know, made it one race to the next, but they weren't making money like they do today and, you know, flying private jets around the place and, and stuff like that. And so just a different world back in those days, they weren't racing because there was a war going on. We, we just got out of a war that lasted 20 years, you know, and we've been racing that whole time, but they, they couldn't race because of a war that was going on in the world. And just times obviously have changed massively, but, but it is, I love the fact that NASCAR has separated these categories and it's not, you know, he doesn't get in because we bring in a Jeff Burton because we, we know what Jeff Burton is worthy of making it and what he's done recently. But we need to honor these guys that were there at the beginning and helped get the sport going and and eventually put it where it is today, right? Indeed. Well, speaking of putting it where it is today, I think the last guy on the list had a lot to do with that, right? Oh, that is an understatement. The Landmark Award, um, again, this is this is the award for outstanding contributions to NASCAR. Qualifications on this, um, it, it can be just anybody that made contributions to NASCAR, right? A member of a racing organization, uh, a member of the track or facility that NASCAR's raced at, a race team, a sponsor, a media partner, uh, or anybody who's a general ambassador for the sport. Um, and I personally cannot think of anyone more deserving than Mike Helton. Uh, Mike Helton, 69 years old. Nice. He is from Bristol, Virginia. Uh, he's currently the vice chairman of NASCAR still, uh, like I said, serving as the brass up there. He was the third president of NASCAR. Bill France Sr. was the very first president of NASCAR. He's the guy who created NASCAR, the owner of NASCAR. Bill France Jr. was the second president of NASCAR. So Mike Helton became the first non-France family member to run day-to-day -day operations of NASCAR. Um, and in 1999, he took over as the chief operating uh, officer of NASCAR. At the end of the 2000 season, um, in November there, as the season was coming to a close, he was named the president of NASCAR, taking over in the 2021 season or not, rather the 2001 season. That's a lot of, yeah, whatever. <laughs> 2001 <laughs> season. Um, he had the toughest first day, quote unquote, on the job that anyone could ever have. Uh, and the look on his face and the words as they came out of his mouth as America was watching live for that, that press conference in February of 2001 um, comes up to the podium and his quote is, this is undoubtedly one of the toughest announcements that I've ever personally had to make. But after the accident in turn four at the end of the Daytona 500, we've lost Dale Earnhardt. And that was his quote 
first day on the job. Not really, right? He started on November, but his first event, his first race. Here we go. The Daytona 500, the Super Bowl, the biggest race of the year. NASCAR is in its heyday. 2001 is like the tippy top of where NASCAR was. And the biggest legend in the sport dies on the track in the race. And that's how Mike Helton's career gets kicked off as far as being the president of NASCAR and having to tell the world we've lost Dale Earnhardt today. Um, but he did not let that stop him. And the things that he has done, we could talk, we could have five separate episodes to talk about the things he has done for NASCAR, the direction he led the sport in through its heyday there, the TV deals that he was a part of helping create, you know, different versions of the car. He was, he was big on the car of tomorrow creation and that didn't necessarily work, but it's led to future generations right now, the next gen, the generation seven car that we're currently in safety in NASCAR. Nobody had a bigger part in that than, than uh, Mike Helton did. Obviously we lost Dale Earnhardt that season. We had previously lost Adam Petty, another legacy driver of, you know, the other biggest family in the sport. Um, and Kenny Irwin had been killed and there was it, it unfortunately at the time, it wasn't a crazy thing to lose a driver in NASCAR. It happened on a yearly basis. Almost there was just, it was part of it, right? It's always been a dangerous sport. We know that. And, and guys can still get hurt today. We had the Ryan Newman scare a few years ago. We just experienced it recently in the NFL. It, it doesn't happen often, but there's that possibility. And these guys know that when they strap into these cars, but the safety that, that Mike Helton pioneered to advance the sport and knock on wood, NASCAR has not lost a driver in the top three series since Dale Earnhardt 22 years ago. And when it was a normal occurrence year in and year out, and it was just part of the game and it just happens for them to get to the point where it doesn't just happen and it hasn't happened. And, and we've had accidents like the Ryan Newman accident, like, you know, the car getting flipped on top of Joey Logano at Talladega and, you know, cars catching on fire and crazy things like that since, and Mike Helton had such a big part and impact on the safety, the progression. The We have the safer barrier walls everywhere now, right, where the, the wall absorbs more of the impact rather than the driver. Dale Earnhardt wore an open-faced helmet at the time. Can you, can you imagine that today, an open-faced No way. Not with the safety that that they've you know done since. The Hans device became mandatory after that. That no, undoubtedly has has saved multiple lives. And unfortunately, if Dale had worn that, it probably would have saved his too. And unfortunately he perished, but they learned from it. And Helton was at the head of that pioneered it. Um, so yeah, just going back through his career, um, he was never a, a racer or, or a driver. It, it was just always in the management side of things. He started at 1980 in 1980 at, at the time, Atlanta international raceway, it was called. Um, he was promoted to GM there in 1985. Uh, then in 86, he joined the staff at, at Daytona, um, ended up going to um, Talladega for a little while and becoming uh, GM there. Um, and then he was the ISC uh, vice president that's now owned by NASCAR, and they own a lot of the big tracks um, throughout the series. Um, and then, like I said, the first person outside the France family NASCAR is, is different in that way from other sports, right? The NFL is a collective thing that's owned by all the owners, right? And same with like the MLB and the NBA. 
But when it comes to NASCAR, a family just owns NASCAR. The France family started it, and they've owned it ever since. And for a majority of the time, it's been run and operated by France family members. And even today, right, we, we recently had Brian France, and he you know, kind of got put out after after having some issues. But But now we've got Ben Kennedy. He's Lisa France Kennedy's uh, son. She, she's part of the France family. They're part of, you know, the, the family that's still in charge and running things. But Mike Helton has always been that guy that wasn't part of the family. That's part of the family in the way of, you know, he, he was part of the NASCAR family and, and the way that he has grown the sport and helps push the sport to where it is today. Um, he is probably the most deserving person of getting this award, the of anybody I could think of as a contributor to the sport. Uh, not many people have done more for NASCAR than Mike Helton has. So absolute honor for him to get this award and nobody deserves it more than Mike Helton. I remember growing up, obviously we talked about this a little bit in, in the early episodes of the show, but like my grand, my grandfather and my uncle and, and to a lesser extent, my brother were the ones that watched NASCAR in the family. And I just remember the reputation that NASCAR had back then as you know, the redneck Southern sport that doesn't necessarily have any sort of appeal. I mean, this is obviously all from me growing up thinking that I, I didn't like NASCAR because, you know, it, it, while all they do is turn left and all these guys are just all, you know, unpolished, un, they're he, uh, heathens and blah, blah, blah. And, and even just going into that 2001 season when Helton was taking over, that was sort of the predominant the the predominant perception of what NASCAR really was it was just this back roads hick sport that not a lot of people enjoyed because there was not a lot of action there was not a lot of names there's not a lot of people that you could say this is NASCAR obviously Earnhardt being one of the the bigger ones um and if of course that was the one that transcended everybody knew if you're a NASCAR fan uh, all of the the Elliots and all of the um, all the guys that were, were there before, but obviously Earnhardt was the one that sort of transcended that. And of course, when he died, it was uh, tragic for the sport and it kind of launched it into a different light because very few sports have one of your key guys going down on the field. You know, that, that doesn't necessarily happen in sports in general at all. So, but even still, I, I came in in 2003, obviously, and Helton was obviously already a big part of that uh re reimagining of what the sport was and it's not as if they took it out of the south it's not as if they took the the uh, the redneck i guess out of the drivers all they basically did was just illuminate and this is a lot of what helton did in my opinion was illuminated the parts of the sport that made it fantastic which is why the people loved it which is why there was such a gigantic cult following around it all he did was just find a way for the rest of the world, well, really the rest of the nation, but I mean the rest of the world in general, to see what it was about the sport of NASCAR that kept people coming back, that kept the fierce uh, fans around it and, and all of the folks that would go out and watch and, and buy gear and all that stuff. That's all he did. I mean, to me, it was just he made the sport more marketable to those outside of the the circle of the southern folks that love that sport so much and really i guess that's why i started to appreciate the sport as i watched it 
for what it was and not what I thought it would be. And I think, like I said, Helton did a lot to do with that. And like you said, too, the safety of the sport made it a little more watchable because then at least we knew week in and week out these drivers were safe and that if you watched a gigantic wreck, yeah, you hold your breath. But, I mean, more often than not, you you knew this driver was going to be okay and get out and, wa- and walk away from it. So the, the disasters weren't there anymore. But, yeah, again, definitely deserving of being in the Hall of Fame uh, I don't know that it would have taken him long to get there, even if he didn't uh, have to be there or on the ballot for long. So uh, Mike Helton, definitely deserving of being in the Hall of Fame. So congratulations to the entire class of 2023. Uh, you said Friday, if you listen to this show, but before Friday, if not, Peacock's probably going to have it on demand. So yeah, I'd imagine you can watch that's, that is one of the nicest things about it being on the streaming platform. I know we've all got a million streaming things that we have to subscribe to for all this stuff but i know with like with the awards banquet for nascar i wasn't around at the time to catch it live but i was able to get on at my own leisure and it was just there to watch and that is one of the nicer things about that i, I would imagine that the hall of fame thing will will be similar in you can kind of watch it at your own own thing and they'll elaborate even more on this stuff right they're going to tell more stories they're going to have people that that will speak uh, about these guys and, and things they did and and tell other stories that we couldn't cram into today. I, I could, especially, especially Mike Helton could have gone on episodes and episodes about him. Right. But all of these guys, I mean, all their stories are great and they've all accomplished so much. Um, and so, yeah, definitely check that out. Give, give you something to waste the time while, while we count down these days to, uh, to some actual racing again. Or until we put out another episode, whichever comes first. So Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, Cody, as uh, much of a fun as this has been, let's uh, bring it to a close. That way we can let people go back on with their day and come back tomorrow to listen to more of the NASCAR Gambling Podcast because that is what we're here to do. Again, man, we're getting close. We're getting close. Odds should start coming out soon. If they don't come out by the time we do a show for next week, um, I may cry. Uh, but I will say that we'll be on our way to look for some very soon. So if not, we'll just open our the own buttons book. buttons there, Rod. It doesn't lead to anything yet, but the button's there. No, so. like I said, we'll start our own damn yeah. book. We're, we're going to handicap. Gonna, I'm going to go with that at least. Indeed. <laughs> indeed. All right. Well, until then, Cody, why don't you let everybody know where they can find you on social media? Yep. Follow me on Twitter at Husker underscore Zeeb. Uh, yeah. Ton of, ton of articles coming out for sports gambling podcasts right now. NFL stuff, bunch of racing stuff across all the series. So definitely check check me out there at Husker underscore Zeeb. And then, yeah, again, ratings and reviews help so much. Show the bosses that that you like listening at least this far into the show and, and hearing us ramble and, and our wonderful history lessons. But history of NASCAR is very important to the sport and history in general, always important to, to know the history of whatever it is. And knowing the history helps you create a better future um, and that's no different in racing. And yes, it's the NASCAR gambling podcast, but we're just here to talk about NASCAR. We're NASCAR fans. We're waiting for odds. So just passing time as we count down the days. Um, so yeah, leave those ratings and reviews. Appreciate you listening. Passing time, but not wasting your time because we definitely love the sport. And we hope that you grow to love the sport just as much through our, this show. And, uh, and really just use it in your gambling portfolios and all that passion behind it. So follow me on Twitter at RJ Gomez. There's a link in the bio to everything I got going on, whether it's here, whether it's Sportsbook Review, whether it is in between media, you can find it all 
right there as the NASCAR season starts to continue on and as the odds come out, I'll have more articles all over the place. But we will be back again for another episode tomorrow. Keep it locked. Keep it downloaded. Please leave those reviews in the process. And until then, let's go racing and let it ride.